Welcome to the Gold Standard here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. And I'm Adam Vingan on Twitter at Adam Vingan. So, big show planned today for you guys. We will obviously take a look at uh, a couple of the, the big series with Tampa Bay coming up for the Nashville Predators. We will dive into what is happening with the Stars on this team, not the Dallas Stars, although we can touch on them too if you'd like, Adam. Hmm. Uh, but the Stars on this team, we'll talk a little goaltending as well. Mikael Granlund. I don't think anybody wants to talk about the Stars that listens to this podcast that's, after what happened over the weekend. That's that's 100% true uh, and fair. <laughs> um, obviously, what in God's name is happening on special teams? Uh, we'll get to that. Sort of a general analysis of the first six games as we have seen them so far. A huge two points on Tuesday night. Salvaged, snatched from the jaws of defeat uh, with a big play by Mikael Granlund and Roman Yossi in overtime to get the two points against Chicago. Uh, so we will get to all of that. However, Adam, on the show, we have a big announcement today for all of our avid listeners out there. And we do appreciate all of you guys and all of your support. So rate, review, subscribe, share, all that stuff. But now we're asking you to do another thing. And we are excited to announce that Jaspers, a casual eatery, as they say on Twitter, on West End, brought to you by the wonderful people at Four Top Hospitality, which is a trusted name in restaurants in Nashville for over thir- for almost 30 years. Amerigo, Etch, Char, all these great restaurants. Deb Paquette is the chef sh- who designed this menu. We are proud to welcome Jaspers on as our title sponsor for the gold standards. Very exciting news, Adam. Very exciting because I like to eat and I like to eat good food. So this allows me to do that while also selfishly Having a uh, having a drink made in our honor, which is the other big news, and really, let's be honest, the headline that at Jasper's there is a new cocktail called the Gold Standard, named after this podcast. I have now accomplished my life's goal and dream, Adam, of having a cocktail named after my podcast. Well, tell our the people at home what the cocktail is, what it's made out of, so or with. <laughs> it is called the Gold Standard. It is made with Greenbrier whiskey, limoncello, unsweetened tea, lemon, and orange. It will be $10, of course, all season long uh, over at Jasper's on West End. By the way, free parking. Free parking, 9,000 square feet, tons of space to socially distance. They got a grab-and-go market. It is an elevated sports bar. It is a, it's just a fantastic atmosphere. It feels like home. Bring the kids. Tons of food. And oh, by the way, now you get to drink a cocktail named after our podcast. I just I can't believe we have a cocktail. Adam. I have to imagine that the cocktail won't be available at the grab and go section uh, <laughs> of, of the restaurant. So drink responsibly, but yeah, drink yes. the gold standard while drinking responsibly. Listen to the gold say. standard while drinking the gold standard. I honestly never thought imagined. What in my I career. appreciate about the cocktail is that it, that it includes unsweetened iced tea. As someone who yes. thinks sweet tea is disgusting. I, I tend to agree. Uh, Nelson's Greenbrier, Tennessee Whiskey. So all this stuff local. Local restaurant company. Local podcast company. Local whiskey. We got all this stuff. That The, the synergy is, is right there for you. But it, it really is. Like I've had probably half the menu already. It's It's only been open for a little while. But again, free parking. Tons of space. Great cocktails, of course, named the gold standard, and really proud to, to have their support on this podcast as well as other shows on this network. So uh, really appreciate them, which means you, the listener, needs to go to Jasper's. You got the grab-and-go market. You got gift cards right now if you're not feeling like you want to sit down and, and bring the family. But again, tons of space, 9,000 square feet. They got a bar. They got a formal dining area. They got a game room. 
it's really a, a, an amazing place to go hang out, watch a game, great sight lines, really laid back vibe, uh, super neighborhood bar style. And, and again, I, have I mentioned the free parking? You did mention the free There's parking. There's free parking, which I, how many places downtown West End have free parking? All I want to know is how many hate tweets do you think I'm going to get for my uh, unsweet tea take? Uh, now, if it if I'm just drinking tea, it has to be sweet tea. No. But I don't drink a lot of that tea. If I want it mixed in my cocktail, I, I'm with you. I want it unsweet no, tea. I, I, so I'm prefer, hedging bets I here. prefer unsweet tea all the time. Yeah, I don't like that. I prefer unsweet tea all the time. And if I want a little sweet... You know, put a little, put a little lemonade in there, a little Arnie Palmy. Now that I can drink. That that's that that's, I can do. That I will do. But I have no problem drinking unsweet tea. Like, uh, sweet tea makes my teeth hurt. The the vast majority of sweet tea and lemonade is too sweet. Yes. So if you take normal lemonade and mix it with unsweet tea, and you get the perfect, I think that's the perfect Arnold Palmer. Arnold that, that, Palmer. That is my go-to. Pour some whiskey in there, sweet. and then you're good to go. Yes. Well, all I'm saying is that sweet tea is gross just by itself. <laughs> Rate, review, subscribe. <laughs> Gold standard cocktail. We have a craft cocktail at a restaurant. Special thanks to Jasper's for, for supporting this show, which means you guys need to go out there and support Jasper's and all the other great restaurants. Again, from Four Top Hospitality, which is, again, Deb Paquette's Menu, who's the chef at Etch, uh, etc. Char. Amerigo is a trusted name in this market for 30 years. So from all those great people comes Jasper's, and we're proud to have them on as our title sponsor. So go support the restaurant, okay? How about that? Um, all right. Predators, hockey, Adam. Yes. Two points on Tuesday night. Let's just sort of quickly touch on that game. How big do you believe for the mental state of both the locker room for the Nashville Predators as well as the fan base? <laughs> How important was a, salvaging two points from a god-awful first period and really carrying play in the second and third period against Chicago? They looked like the better team. How important was the, were those two points? Well, as we both know, Last night was the first time that spectators were allowed in the building. A limited number of season ticket holders uh, were able to attend, and they will also be able to attend tonight's game. We are recording this early Wednesday morning. Uh, fortunately, uh, the security at Bridgestone Arena does not allow pitchforks or torches to be allowed <laughs> into the building because if the Predators would have lost that game, there would have been a mob. You should have seen my Twitter mentions last night. It was a greatest hit <laughs> compilation of Predators fan grievances. Do the walls at Bridgestone move at all? Can they actually close in on John Hines? Uh, Do they actually allow that to happen? Figuratively, at least. <laughs> um, something tells me that the coach wouldn't want to come here if they knew that the literal walls of the arena could close around them. Um, like a, like an episode, like a, like the trash compactor in Star Wars or whatever it is. Yeah, no, that's that's about right. Yeah. Um, that, that's about the, that is about the, uh, the amount of my Star Wars knowledge. Um, not a Star Wars guy? No. That's, that is not, that's surprising. Having known you. No, I'm, I'm, I, I dabble in Star Wars. I'm not (laughs) obsessed. I haven't watched the Mandalorian or anything like that. Most Mm. of my Disney plus watching. The Ploos? You you watch the Ploos? I, is that what, what? Disney Ploos. Is that what it's called? That's what I call it. Oh, anyway, all that's usually watched on Disney plus um, is Hamilton, which my wife loves to watch when she's uh, vegging out, and I like to watch old uh, Disney uh, sitcoms such as Even Stevens and, and Lizzie McGuire. Don't hate, appreciate. Anyway, <laughs> um, Hillary Duff was fine AF I, I can't, when no, I was a teenager. I have no anyway, to any of that. Anyway, um, it was the greatest hits compilation of fan grievances last night, such as <laughs> Roman Yossi is not a good captain. John Hines is a bad coach. 
David Poyle is old. Matthew Shane stinks. Ryan Johansson stinks. James Neal shouldn't have been uh, exposed in the 2017 <laughs> expansion draft. That's, it was. It was. That will never I even die. got a Pontus Aberg mention in my mentions last night. I don't know what the <laughs> hell you people were on last night, but thank God they won that game from the fans' perspective. Yeah. Um, from the team perspective, of course, it's very important. Um, look outside. Can we for, be more? Can we get more creative with complaining to Adam on Twitter, please? Please. Anyway. Um, Look, when they went on that first power play, uh, excuse me, when the Blackhawks went on that first power play, the Predators came out really strong last night. They 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 ended up with a significant advantage in offensive zone possession time last night. I think it was like nine plus minutes for the Predators to like five minutes for yeah. the Blackhawks. So they, they, they were clearly the better team. They were clearly yeah. the better team, but there was that sense of impending doom when they committed that first penalty, and just like that, the Blackhawks score. That was their the Predators' ninth power play goal against in three games. Um, Four straight games of the power play goal allowed. It's it, it, the penalty. I think was like two and a half minutes into the game, and then f- I actually counted forty six seconds. It took forty six seconds. I actually thought it was more like twenty five. So they did better than I thought on the power play. But it was like watching a chess game. It was a very easy tic tac toe goal, boom, and you like I just like. We all like looked at each other on press row and we were like, "Oh, yeah. that I, was easy." I, I I couldn't help but laugh sometimes. Sometimes when something's uncomfortable, my reaction is to laugh, and <laughs> I was sort of that's what I was doing to myself last night um, at that point. But look, the special teams, you know, the special teams have been an issue for this team for few a few years now. I mean, the Predators ended up winning the game, which is great. But you know, Mikhail Grayland scores the tying goal, makes it two two. I think the Predators had two power plays after that or maybe oh, one I, I don't know about after um i, I want to say they were over three right but i believe they are two for 24 i believe i now. believe they had 23. a power play after granlin scored and typically you know you would feel good about that you know they've been playing well they tie the game they get a power play momentum's on their side the predators power play for the past three years has been the ultimate momentum killer um as long as the Predators never play on special teams of any kind, they're a good team, I think. They haven't been terrible at five on five. Um, so I, I think it was great for, you know, look, they got, they got you know, curb stomped on, on Friday. Um, they didn't play well. They played better against the Stars on Sunday, but they still didn't play great. Yeah. Um, and look, we talked about this after the first couple of games, their ability to come back. Um, twice last night, you know, they, they rebounded from that early power play goal. Um, Yakov Trenin had a, a big time goal to tie the game. Matthew Shane, I don't know what the hell he was thinking last dude, night. Dude, I, and it's so weird to like take an entire player's like general scouting report and like boil it down to a single decision, but it is the exact same thing he did in the Arizona game in the playoffs, a- except for maybe even worse where you just, uh, you can see the pass. From, from the 300 level, and you're going, no, 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 don't do that. What are you doing? And you send it right to a guy on a breakaway. And again, wasn't it the exact same play from the Arizona series? Where Dusane just, like, softly trickled it across the zone along the blue line. Arizona goes down for a breakaway and scores. I, I've sort of wiped that series from my memory. <laughs> it's been a while. Um, but, like, it's just, it's like, that's like Hockey 101. Like, was, you would teach that to, like, a seven-year-old. And look, and I think we'll talk about this later. So, as of Monday... Uh, my friends at Sport Logic told me that Ryan Johansson and Matthew Shane were tied for third in the league in scoring chances in all situations without a goal. 
the two players ahead of them who were tied for first, <laughs> both members of the Buffalo Sabres, Jack Eichel and Jeff Skinner. I believe Jack Eichel scored last night, so he's no longer on that list. I don't know if Jeff Skinner scored, but I have it's to a imagine, dubious list to now be. I have near to the imagine top. that Matthew Shane might be at the top of that list because, look, to Matt's credit, he has had a lot of scoring chances. He had a couple last night. He, he does a good job of getting to the slot, but we have, we have reached the point of it's not great to be. The, you know, the league leader in scoring chances without a goal when you're paid $8 million a year. And that play last night that I believe it was Matthias Janmark who had the breakaway goal, um, not good. I mean, we all saw it coming. Um, as soon as the puck left a stick, it was almost like, you know, that slow motion thing that you see in television shows when something bad happens and the person's like, no. <laughs> like, that's I, it what was. It, that's it was what it just, was last night. Like, come on, you, dude. It was, and it was not good. It was bad. What um, the fuck? <laughs> so, but, you know, look, <sighs> Roman Yossi did did his Roman Yossi thing last night. I mean, it was beautiful to watch. Yeah, it was awesome. You know, he, he sort of revved himself up, you know, in the <laughs> offensive zone, you know, got that running start. Granlin left the puck for him. You know, with a head of steam, barrels towards the net, beats two or three guys. Well, there were only yeah. three guys on the ice for the Blackhawks, but beat at least two of them. Got to the front of the net, slid it past Malcolm Subban. Game over. You know, Roman Yossi's allowed to be captain for another day after that. Um, <laughs> good so, thing. So good lot, th- yes, a lot, lot of time left on yeah, that contract. Yeah, a lot of theft on the, a lot of time left. But uh, so look, last night was big. Um, of course, it will. It won't matter if they lay an egg tonight against Chicago again. Um, you know, they're going on the road all next week. We'll talk about this later. Two games against Tampa, two games against Florida. You know, I feel bad for Florida. They won last night. They're 3-0, and but basically their entire schedule has been screwed because every team they're supposed to play has coronavirus. I mean, they, <laughs> they were supposed to open the season against Dallas. That yeah, didn't happen. Yeah. They were supposed to play Carolina recently. That didn't happen. So, th- But it's not that bad for them. They just keep winning. They're 6-0 and combined, right. Dallas and Florida. Right, exactly. Maybe they should just play like... But now they have to play year. like a game every other day for the rest yes, of the season. That's true. Their, their schedule became even you, more condensed than it already is. Do you think we're going to have a, a at the end of the year when we go to the playoffs? Do you think all eight teams in the Central Division will have played the same number of games? No. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. I, I don't mean, think, I, don't think, I, it's I think happen. I mean, at this rate, I'm not sure how many games Carolina is going to play. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, I, I think they'll try to get his... guys on that COVID nineteen absence list. So I believe that game. That's another piece of news. Uh, quickly here that the that game, the March or the game with with the Carolina game last week res- has been scheduled yeah. to March second. March second um, here. So so just I guess basic start to this convers this next part of the conversation, which is what is wrong with the power play? And <laughs> and, and I here, here here's my novice understanding of hockey schematics. Here, Columbus likes to pressure people. They are two for 24 in the power play. So this is not just a Columbus thing. This is across the board. And it's not like you said, it's not just a 2021 thing. It's like the last four years. It's part of the reason Lavi was, you know, Peter Laviolette ended up where he was is his inability to fix the power play or, or the penalty kill. And John Hines, we'll get to the penalty kill in a second, but just, you know, being aggressive to force out the, the, the power play to the boards and sort of pressuring guys to make smart decisions with the puck quickly seems like what people are doing to Nashville. That's a very, you know, base level understanding of the of the concepts. But just what what is wrong? What what is the problem with that amount of talent? Now, I do not think the second power play line is all that, you know, exceptional when it comes to pure talent. But that first unit should be scoring all the time. It should be. And look, it, we've been talking about this since 2018. Um, I tweeted out after during the game on Sunday that 
since that time, they have the worst power play in the league overall. Um, it hasn't gotten any better, um, obviously. And look, the coaches have changed. Peter Laviolette is no longer here. Kevin McCarthy, who ran the power play, then at one point that season, that you know, 2018-19, um, uh, Peter Laviolette took the PP responsibilities from Kevin McCarthy and gave them to Dan Muse. That didn't help. Then they hired Dan Lambert. That hasn't helped. Everyone then has tried. John Hines is here. Right. That hasn't helped. I believe Todd Richards consults on the power play with Lambert. That hasn't helped. So at the end of the day, it's the players. I mean, it's got, <laughs> like, that's what it is. And and I think it what the power play struggles underline, which we already know, is that this team does not have a true finisher. Where you know we think about the best power plays in the league. You think of Alex Ovechkin. You think of Steven Stamkos or Nikita Kucherov. You think of Patrick Laine, who we'll talk about later, as he since as he was traded. Well, he was in the Predators division. Normally, he was traded into the Predators temporary division last week. Um, they don't have that player. Now, Philip Forsberg certainly could be that player, but hasn't shown himself to be that player with enough frequency. That's the problem: is that they don't have that that threat. That look, I, you know. Alex Ovechkin has been in the NHL for 15 years, which is hard to believe. It's actually been more than that, it's, I think. It's actually incredible how long he's been he, playing. He's been in this, like, you know, I, I, you know, I went to school in D.C. I went to games. So I've been watching, you know, I've been, you know, growing up a Capitals fan, you know, I've been watching Alex Ovechkin for that long. And it doesn't matter how old he gets or how long he's been in the league. Nobody can stop him from the left circle on the power play. It doesn't matter. Teams have tried in so many different ways. I mean, I, I can't remember which team it was. It may have been Boston during a playoff series, um, you know, close to 10 years ago. Basically just put a person in front of them at all times <laughs> and, and just, to, just to make sure. And even then, yep, yep. it might have been Chara, but even then, it didn't matter. You knew that when that puck goes to that left circle and he winds up and fires, so, okay, I mean, it's, it's not. So it, you're asking the Predators to like have an Alexander Ovechkin. Well, so let's, I, mean, I mean, I know that. You know what I mean? Like, that, that's not going to happen. <laughs> but with the talent that they have and the people that they have around Philip Forsberg, on that, for, you have the best defenseman in the world. <laughs> you have an $8 million center and another $8 million center. What they need is they need to get Shea Weber back. I mean, no, I'm kidding. But but Shea struck fear in other yeah. penalty kills because, you know, I mean, I was watching him play uh, the other night. The Canadians were playing the Canucks, and they were on the power play. And two Canucks players threw themselves in front of a Shea Weber shot. I think it hit both of them. And they like, died it, immediately. They, they did not die. Oh. But I was sitting there watching that's, that's it. That's good. I, yes, I was sitting there watching it and saying, like, you know, you have to have some big brass ones yeah. I don't, to, to get in front of a Shea Weber slap shot. Yeah. Um, but they don't have that. Like, they don't have that. I mean, Ellis has got a pretty nasty blue he does line have shot, a, but it just a, doesn't feel the same coming yes. from him. <laughs> the Predators do not have a go-to threat on their power play. They do not have a player that when they go on the power play, the other yeah. team says, we have to watch out for blank. We have to watch out for Ovechkin, Stamkos, Weber, Line. And the guy you're asking to stand in front of the net most times is like five foot nine. Well, what's helped? One thing that has helped, and and I remember when they made the switch to Dan Lambert. So but previously, Victor Arvidsson was the net front guy. Now he's the bumper guy, the guy in the right. slot. Like he can actually shoot the puck now. Before he was just standing in front of the net. Right. Matthew Shane is more of the net front guy now. You know, he kind of hangs around the goal line and, and tries to do those like turn around, you know, slam dunk kind of shots, sneak into some negative space. Yeah, yeah. But they do not have a 
a threat that other teams have to game plan for on the power play. Like, that is the issue. So do you need to then scheme Forsberg to be that guy? Because Maybe. when he Because when he is on the rush, he is almost unstoppable. That, at, is, at, at his, at, that is his greatest strength, so, I think, is scoring off the rush. So creating – so what, what does that mean? That means he needs space to operate, to, and then when he's got that, he's deadly. So how do you create opportunities for Forsberg to be open? That, that's, I guess, what you've got to – like I said, I'm not – like you said, it's the players at this point, but – that, that's the scheme. So I, I don't, I, you know, I'm with you. I don't know what the solution is. That, yeah, that's the problem I, for Preds fans is we don't have a solution for you guys right no, now. No, and, and there are so many games that this team has left on the table over the years because they can't score on the power play. I mean, that game last night did not have to get to overtime. They score on a power play late in the game. It's over. They went in regulation. Um, so I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I've watched this power play sputter along like a jalopy for the last, you know, for the last several years, and I have no idea. Um, so your guess is as good as mine. All right, penalty kill against Dallas. Woohoo! All right, um, they go five of Dallas goes five for eight on the power play on Friday night. Of course, they score seven goals. Then 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 they go three for four, which is just as bad on on Sunday. All three goals there. Uh, the Preds gave up another. We talked about it. One one for two on the penalty kill against Chicago in game one. Um, again, that that is now ten power play goals in eighteen chances in the last four games. And this is, it's one thing to get beat because your team maybe isn't scoring enough goals. Like like on Sunday, maybe, right? You lose, what was it? Three, two is the final score. Yes. There were a couple of two goal deficits in there. So maybe that's not a great example, but losing close games, two, one, three, two, one, nothing for this particular Preds team, which we thought was going to have issues scoring goals, especially from a secondary collection of players that's that's to that to me is sort of looks like a normal problem that we expected that is easy to deal with I guess in some weird way because it feels like it was the known weakness John Hines was part of his resume when he was hired was that he was an excellent special teams coach in particular over his career his teams are exceptional on the penalty kill that that is a bigger concern for me is that if the if the thing that you're supposed to do really well and that you're known for as a coach and your teams are known for is atrocious. Maybe Dallas is significantly better than than third in the division. Maybe they're as good as Tampa or something. I mean, they made it to the Cup final. They're missing some pieces, but to me, it's more concerning. The power play has just been an issue <laughs> with the players over time. It's more concerning that the penalty kill is terrible right now. I know the numbers are going to get better, but that was supposed to be John Hines' strength. Right. And that, that's the concern for me. So to answer your question, in John Hines's four full seasons as coach of the New Jersey Devils, which was 2015-16 through 2018-19, the Devils were fourth in the NHL overall with an 82.2% penalty kill percentage. So that was his strength. Um, again, it's, it's, it just comes down to the players at this point. Like, there are so there are only so many coaches coaching changes a team can make before you have to look at the players and be like, what's going on with well, they you? Just changed, they just changed half of them. Yes. So I don't know. It was all Kyle Turris' fault, Adam. Don't you remember that? Kyle Turris had a hell of a goal the other night, by the way. And Craig Smith, <laughs> Craig scored, Smith, too, Craig yeah. Smith scored the overtime winner for the Boston Bruins <laughs> last night. Um, Austin Watson, I think, has a couple goals too. Everybody's scoring <laughs> now that they've left Nashville. Um, oh, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean. I don't look at, I mean, I'm not, as we've talked about, I'm not an X's and O's savant, but I haven't looked at the penalty kill and seen something that screams, like, what the hell are they doing systematically? 
I mean, you you're, you're going to have bad nights. I mean, you like look you at had the goals. You look at the goals that were scored on the power play on Friday. A lot of them were tips and yeah. really nice redirections. There's only so much you can do about those, but there were some nice, you know, cross slot passes and that the the stars were making. Um, I think of the one that I think it was Radulov to Pavelski. Um, I think that was on Friday. Again, so many power play goals they sort of run together. Um, <laughs> but they got a hell of a power play. Um, so I just think there's a chance that Dallas is pretty damn good. I think Dallas is quite good, yeah. and they're sh- and they're they're shorthanded. Um, yep. Well, we're talking about the power play. They're shorthanded <laughs> because they don't have Tyler Sagan. Um, if if and when he comes back, they'll be even better. Even better. Yep. Um, all right, so I want to talk about some of the stars on this team, but I also, because we're talking penalty kill here, penalty kill here let, let's talk defense real quickly because, you know, Fabro to me is the one that stands out. And he's had a couple of really nice offensive opportunities. It felt like, it felt like I think he's hit like four posts so far this season, so he's been unlucky as far as, you know, getting some pucks at the net from the, you know, from the point in the offensive zone. But he's also had a couple of really glaring mistakes and some sloppy, like like misses a coverage here or there in his own zone. Like I, he, he needs to take a step forward this year for this group to be as good as we talked about during the summer. And I, I'm not, you know, through six games, it's a small sample size. Everything is through the lens of a small sample size. Uh, what have you seen from Dante Fabro? Any concern with, with the defense in general, five-on-five five or penalty kill? Obviously, we've talked about the penalty kill, but more five-on-five five here. I just, you know, Fabro had a huge mistake in game one. He had another big mistake in against the Blackhawks. What are your thoughts on what you've seen from 57 so far? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a work in progress. Um, you know, last season was a typical first full season, I think, for a rookie. That's not an exceptional rookie. I'm not talking about, like, the guys, you know, like a Kale McCarr or a Quinn Hughes or anything like that. Um, Charlie McAvoy? Yes, but we're good. That, that goes back a few years. Yeah. Um, but... Look, I mean, Dante Fabro, I, I think even the Predators acknowledged that they, they put him in some tough spots last year. I mean, I remember being in Vancouver for the 2019 draft after the Predators traded P.K. Subban to the New Jersey Devils, and David Poyle unprompted said that he wouldn't have felt comfortable making that trade if he didn't think that Dante Fabro could step up and replace P.K. And I think it will continue to get better. Um, I, I think the fact that he and Matias Ekholm have a year under their belt as partners will help. But, you know, Dante Fabro is not being eased in. And and he is not, you know, as I said, you know, he is not a Quinn Hughes type or a Kel McCarr type or I think of, you know, Seth Jones, you know, when he was a rookie. He, Guys that are surefire stars. He's not yeah. on that level. Yeah. So, you know, I liked what they did when he first came in. You know, make him a third-pairing defenseman. They put him with Dan Hanhuis. I thought he looked good, you know, late in the regular season and in the playoffs against Dallas that year. Um, but really, they don't have that, you know, they don't really have that right now. I mean, they, they could, if they wanted to, they could put Matt Benning with with Matias Ekholm and, and put Dante Fabro with Mark Borowiecki. I mean, maybe that works. I don't know. Um, you know, Benning's a veteran, so at least he has got, you know, he's got you know, a little, he's got more experience, but. And can move the puck a little bit. So Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think the Predators are devoted to trying to figure, I mean, Dante Fabro, you know, appears to represent, or they hope he represents the next generation of Predators top door, top four defensemen. Once Yossi and Ekholm and Ellis move on. Um, 11 years from now. 11 years from now. <laughs> um, so, 
So I mean, it's been he's a got tr- some time. He's I mean, got it's been time. a trial by fire for certain, for sure. I mean, he's hit a couple of posts. He hit one last night. Um, I think it will continue to get better. But yeah, it's been it's been uh, a bit an, a bit uneven for Dante Fabro. Ellis and Ekholm, are they doing what you want to see out of them? I mean, I think they're they, they sort of are what they are. They like Yossi haven't had great starts to the season. Not not overly noticeable. But Yossi makes a huge play in overtime to sort of change all of that real quickly. And, and that's sort of what hockey does, right? We, you yeah. talk, we talk about somebody playing well or poorly, and then all of a sudden the next night they're going to you know, make us all look like liars. That's, that's the beauty of the game. Um, I, I just, if you have any thoughts on them, I, they just have sort of been there. They've been nondescript so far. Sometimes that's really good for a defenseman. <laughs> you know, With Ellis, especially on the power play, when your team is two for 24, I want to see more out of him, especially because he sort of has to be the star on the second line of that power play. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know if you had any thoughts on those guys just uh, well, real quickly here before we move you, on to the big stars. Last night you got into a bit of a, a Twitter spat with someone about Ekholm. Um, yeah, and I and I tend to agree with the person you were where you were debating with that it's been a while since we've seen the mean Matthias Ekholm. Like the, the thing about. So, so the, you want to let me lay this? Okay, go ahead. Because this ties in with Ryan Johansson. Uh, my, my, my first tweet about Ryan Johansson was, and I think this was like late second period I was watching, maybe third period, and I just said, you know, if and it's been this, this way in his career, his entire career, which is um, Johansson, if other humans will fall off of Ryan Johansson and bounce off Ryan Johansson like small insects when he wants them to. Right. He can toss, he just tosses people around. And, and I tweeted that out, and somebody responded with, essentially, yeah, but we don't ever see it, which is sort of the point of my tweet. And and I would put Matthias Ekholm in that category as well. And my first thought was, well, but Adam Vingen told me that he's a nasty SOB, and I, I wouldn't want to be in an alley fight with Matthias Ekholm. Yeah, he's a scary motherfucker. <laughs> right, right. Like, just like so he, But you're saying he's not doing that on the – he's not playing that way. He hasn't – I just feel like it hasn't been there recently. Um you know, he sort of is the the outlier among those top three defensemen. I mean, Roman Yossi and, and Ryan Ellis are not physically intimidating individuals. Matthias Ekholm is a bit more physically intimidating, and he has it within him to be that nasty guy on the ice. We've seen it. And, you know, perhaps it goes back to that 2019 playoff series where I think he took five minor penalties or six minor penalties in six games against Dallas. He was in the penalty box the entire time. That's right. Um, you know, I don't know if that, you know, if that is, a, you know, a, you know, whether that's related, but, you know, he has it within him to be that, you know, pardon my language, even though I just said motherfucker, prick on the ice. <laughs> and he, you, you want to see some ang- angry. Yeah, you want to yeah. see like, like when Matias gets pissed, I mean, on the ice, you know, his eyes bulge out. And he, <laughs> right. He's, you know, he's got, you know, he's got the beard. He's angry, yeah. you know, yeah. and I, I would like to see more of that from him. We haven't seen that in a little while. That's what I think. I think we need, I need, we need to turn up the, 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 uh, we need to turn up the, the piss and vinegar the, meter the piss and vinegar meter okay. to 11. All right. To 11. I love that. Nice reference there. Uh, you young kids go look it up. Uh, all right. So how about this? We still got a lot of stuff to get to. We're going to, I've got some positive things, Adam, some actual positive things to try to bring up and talk to you about. Is that okay? Yes. Can I, can I try to say some nice things about the Nashville Predators? Sure. I've got a few of those to get to. We'll also take a look at the Central Division, the big series with Tampa coming up as well. The Gold Standard is brought to you by Jaspers, a brand new family-style neighborhood sports bar, but with like really kick-ass food, like Deb Paquette type food you know like from like a really nice restaurant like etch and 
etc. And Amerigos, she's she's giving you like adult sports bar food. It is tremendous, Adam. I am a huge fan. Uh, it is exactly what I've been looking for in Nashville. And there's free parking, 9,000 square feet, of course, and a place where people can go and be safe and socially distance and watch Predators games and drink our cocktail, the Gold Standard, which is a whiskey drink at Jasper's. Great idea if you're trying to enjoy a nice evening out and watch a Predators game. Braden, do you have any particular favorites on the Jasper's menu? Yeah, uh, so the two side items that are incredible are the charred broccoli and the Tex-Mex black beans. My wife is already obsessed with both of them. They are tremendous. Now, they've got the fries. They've got the regular wedge fries. They've also got sweet potato waffle fries for the kids if they all want that good stuff. But I'm telling you, the charred broccoli and the Tex-Mex black beans, off the charts good. No question about it. Um, They've got flatbreads. They've got sandwiches. They've got all kinds of appetizers. Again, I'm telling you, this is like adult sports bar food elevated sports bar food, right? It is super chill place to hang out and watch the game, but you're not going to like end up smelling like cigarette smoke, you know, or like feel bad the next morning. Cause you ate like crappy Broadway food. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, it's like really genuinely awesome food and like a sports bar, but like a more laid back place to go. And did I mention the free parking once or twice? Do you, have you ever not been to a restaurant because of parking in Nashville? I guarantee you it's, it's happened. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it's, you know, I've lived here long enough now to to probably have experienced that, or you know, valet parking, which is just a, which is just as, you know, really cumbersome. Valet parking snob, don't like doing it. No, I don't either. But I mean, I'm willing to if I have to. But you're right. If you don't, I've definitely said no to like my wife and I've definitely said no to a restaurant because we're like ah parking. <laughs> you as know? long as I don't have to parallel park, Jasper's is a great place to park. Not a good parallel parker. Um, it comes and goes. <laughs> so you don't do any handiwork around the house and you can't parallel, parallel park. Why are you doing this to me? I don't know. People, Jaspers. People, <laughs> Jaspers. Come to Jaspers. People want to know more about Adam Bingen. They want to. Jaspers does not. Make you parallel does park. Does not make me parallel park or do handiwork. All they make me do <laughs> is eat and drink. So that's why you should go. And you know what? It's okay if I can't do handiwork. <laughs> You've got, you've, got your own cocktail. you've got your own cocktail now. I have other skills. Go to Jasper's, man. I'm telling you, you like will not. eating at Jasper's. You will not be disappointed. It is tremendous food, tremendous menu. you got the market, grab-and-go stuff. you got uh, gift cards right now, of course, if you're not comfortable being there. But I promise you, when you walk in, it is super spaced out. Huge bar, game room area. You've got shuffleboard. you got a lounge area. you got the seating over there. you got TVs everywhere. Elevated sports bar. It's for, like, you know, adults that don't want to be, like, you know in one of those crappy, nasty downtown sports bars and free parking at Jasper's. So check them out. Proud sponsor of the gold standard. All right, Adam, let's continue to look at some of the stars for the Nashville Predators here on the show. And before we get into sort of a look around the Central Division, quickly, can we just go like one by one here and tell me your quick evaluation on the first six games of the season? Because I I have... I have sort of two really distinct categories for you. Does that sound good? Sure. So I'm, an, I'm here are the stars, and I'm not counting goaltenders for this conversation. I've got Roman Yossi, Philip Forsberg, Ryan Johansson, Victor Arvidsson, and um, Matt Shane. Those are the ones, because we already talked about the defense a little bit earlier. So Roman Yossi, not a great start, but a huge moment in a huge spot against Chicago on Tuesday night. I, I don't really have anything else to add. 
to Roman Yossi. I think Roman Yossi is going to be fine. I think he's done a lot of the things that he is good at doing in terms of transporting the puck up the ice, dominating possession time in the offensive zone. Nobody else on the team can can do what Roman Yossi did last night to score that goal. Yeah, and and that and that is a, a that is a star that that is a a superstar move by Roman Yossi. Um, as I said, he can remain captain now until tonight, um, <laughs> according to the fans a, a who day. don't like him um, as captain, which I, I will, which I will never understand. But anyway, um, okay, sidebar. Yeah. F- oh, can you we, have a sidebar. We, we, I have a okay, sidebar. This is not rapid fire now. I know, okay. but here's my sidebar. All right. So I feel like the role of captain in the NHL is mostly symbolic. Is that is that what I'm looking for? Is that the word I'm looking for? Like, so you're suggesting it's not a leader of men position? I mean, oftentimes the captain is the best player on the team. Not all, not always, but a lot of times the captain is the best player on the team. Sometimes it's Joe Thornton. Sometimes it's Joe. Well, he's pretty damn good. He, he was the best player on many of the teams, not at the end of his career. Yes. Um, so... I will never understand this. Roman Yossi is not a good captain. Like, what? Where like, do you get that from? Like, I think here's where he's not a vocal guy who yells and screams. That is, for some reason, I think people. Here's where I think it comes from. They all want so, him to be Churchill or Napoleon. <laughs> like, what? Win one for the Gipper, you know. Right, all, like, but like, here's here's where I think it comes from. So the two players who were captains before Roman Yossi, of course, Shea Weber and Mike Fisher. Shea Weber and Mike Fisher are much different players than Roman Yossi in case in Mike's case were because he's retired. I don't think he's coming out of retirement again. Um, they're they were both. You heard of your first. Yes, phones. they're in. You can no promises, of course. In in your they're more. They were the grittier, hard hitting, hard working, industrious kind of player. Neither of them were. Tipping over Gatorade coolers yeah, in the they're dressing not, room. Mike Fisher is like one of the calmest spoken guys you'll ever be so, around. So in comes Roman Yossi, who is a completely different player than Shea Weber and, and Mike Fisher. He is he is a skill player. He relies more on his natural talent than you know, which is higher than both Shea Weber and Mike Fisher. And but, you know, he's also He's also a pretty boy too, you know. Come on, but I mean, I like the flow. Yeah, I mean, it yeah. all looks good. Yeah, he's but doing all right. I mean, it, it doesn't suck. It's being, hard to look directly him in. The, you cannot look him directly in the eyes. It doesn't suck being Roman Yossi. Let's just and, put it that and way. And he looks you directly in the eyes, like everything you're saying, which I actually respect him a lot for. He he like stares you down while while talking with you out of respect. Yeah, it's just how he operates. But it's hard to look him directly in the eyes because of how handsome he is. It's very difficult. <laughs> he, like I said, it doesn't suck being Roman Yossi. So he, he is Scott Niedermeyer. Scott Stevens is your traditional captain. I, I right? think. I, but I think the problem is, is that they see Roman's personality. He's a soft-spoken, calm guy, and 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 Shay and Mike are and were too. And but because he is not the type of player that Mike and Shay are and were. I Speak think softly, works, carry a big stick. Kind I of thing. think it works against him in the eyes yeah, of some people. That, I think that's stupid. I I think it's completely stupid. But okay, God go. forbid I, I express that <laughs> on social media, and I'm sure I'll be hearing from some of our listeners no. about it. But and at, sidebar, I just at, never understood the, the the Roman Yossi captain hate. Like, let me ask you one question: If sure. it weren't Roman Yossi, and you look at this roster, if it weren't Roman Yossi, who would you think would be captain? I mean, if you're trying to go for like that 
level of I mean if you if you want that type of player on defense or I mean on the team physical I mean Ekholm is the only guy that sort of like I would put into that category is sort of traditional NHL defenseman who's physical and big and burly and snarling. I would and, have given it to Ryan Ellis, but Ellis is not Roman Yossi. Ellis is the guy I would think of immediately. He's been on the leadership committee, whatever the hell that means, for the last you know five years. And he years. was basically the second. He was basically the runner-up for captain. That's why he's the associate and captain. And if he wasn't hurt, he might have been named the captain. I, I Listen... But he's not any different than no, Roman Yossi, like from a skill standpoint on the ice. But he's a bit more. He's a bit more. If Johansson was, if Johansson was Jonathan Taves' level of like intensity, which I want to get to Jonathan Johansson here. If yes. he played with, if he played against every team like he played against Jonathan Taves, Johansson could be your captain. Forsberg could be your captain. I just think he's Ryan. Too, Ryan know. Ellis is a bit more blunt when than than Roman Yossi. Yeah, and and perhaps that you know would you know, ingratiate him to the fans who are looking for that tough talk. Right. You're not getting that from Roman Yossi. No. I think the last thing I'll say about this is I think as this team has struggled, they want, you know, there are certain, there are fans who believe that the captain should be the one saying, this is not acceptable. Yeah. I'm going to call out my teammates. I'm going to call out myself. And Roman doesn't do that. Not very many players do that in hockey. No, especially. Cody McLeod was the guy that did that on the team that went to the cup. It wasn't the captain. It was Cody, Cody McLeod, man. You see what I'm saying? Like there's you you don't have to have the captain be the one yelling at people. Right? No. You can have that guy, but you don't it doesn't have to be the captain. Okay, so. anyway, go All ahead. Right. Uh quickly, I just wanted to like Forsberg scoring goals, so you need to see more of that. Arvidsson, you probably need to see a little bit more from him. But really it's Duchesne and Johansson. We've already touched on this a little bit. I just I, I just th I think fans need to realize they just are overpaid. Like they're good, really talented players, and you could ask more for Johansson, you can ask more from Duchesne. But I, I just I just feel like the price tag is just going to stick with them for the rest of their careers here, and and that's that maybe that's unfair because if it was offered to me, I would take the money. They're just not eight million dollar a year players. They're they're six and a half million dollar a year players, and you know the Preds overpaid for both of them. That is what it is. And look, you have to think about when those two players signed those contracts. Ryan Johansson signed his contract in the summer of 2017 after he was spectacular through three rounds of the Stanley Cup playoffs before he suffered that freak thigh injury that took him out of the Stanley Cup final. There are plenty of Predators fans who believe that if Ryan Johansson would not have been hurt and they would and continued to play the way that he did against the Blackhawks, Blues, and Ducks, that the Predators could have won the Stanley Cup against the Penguins. That's easy to say. You know, it's easy to do that revisionist history. They really weren't all that close. But he Pittsburgh. earned. He played. He earned that contract. Good no, for he him did. He did. to play at that to 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 raise his level of game at that time. And the fact that he they lost and he was missing from the lineup, I think, also helped his case. Matt Duchesne had a seventy point year two years ago. Yep. And look, you know, there were reports before he signed that Matt Duchesne might go for nine or nine and a half million. So when I mm -hmm. saw it was eight. A couple summers ago, I was like, that's actually relatively reasonable by comparison. But look, neither of them are $8 million players. That's just how it's going to be. And Matt du in, the, in the case of Matt Duchesne, Matt Duchesne is not the player he was last season. He's not that bad. He's not the player he was two seasons ago where he had 70 points. He's not that good. He's somewhere in the middle. In a 82-game season, Matt Duchesne should be a 50- to 60-point player. There is nothing holding Ryan Johansson back other than himself from being the kind of player that he was during that 2017 playoff run. And 
there has to be some sort of Jedi mind trick that he has to play on himself where every game is a playoff game. Because if he plays like that, he's worth the money. The problem is, is that those moments have been few and far between. Yeah. And as I said at the beginning of the show, it does not matter at this point to anybody that they are getting the scoring chances but not scoring. They need to score. That's yep. their job. Yep. I mean, they have other jobs too. They're both playmakers. But part of their job is to score. And it doesn't like it should not matter to fans anymore. And I'm sure it doesn't matter to the players themselves, but was talking, you know, talking to our listeners. You have every right to be pissed off yep. that those two are at the top of the list among players who have the most scoring chances this season without a goal because that is what they are paid in part to do. Yeah. So the fact and, that they have scoring chances is that's fine. Good? I mean, like <laughs> that's not nothing, but there we've gotten to <laughs> that's a, where we are. But yeah, it's not nothing. That's but where we like are. that doesn't fly when yeah. when you are paid to do a lot more than that. All right, we've done a lot of negativity here on the show. Can we do some positive stuff? Sure. Can I try to sell you on some positive stuff here? Okay, Mikael Granlund. Now you pointed this out, and I think you did a big story about it last year. I, I, did he lead the? T- was he the leading forward under John Hines once they made the switch from Laviolette to to Hines in he terms has, of ice time? Was he number one on the team as far as forwards? He, he was, and he also now has thirteen goals since last January, which leads the team. Already scored twice, scored a big goal to tie the game up in the third period on Tuesday night. Gave him a chance against Dallas on Sunday. You see, sixty four, man. I'm telling you, like he, you, you noticed him, and I did. You didn't notice him a lot under Peter Laviolette. I don't know if it's just the John Hines switch or what. But I don't know if he's on the one-year deal, like you said, motivated to get another contract at the end of the year. He's still relatively young, very talented. You notice 64. Uh, since he has been, since he got back into the lineup, I, I think there's a positive that fans can point to. I'm, trying, I'm, I'm finding positive stuff here. No, Adam. he's been great. He's been great since the coaching change was made. He was an afterthought under Peter Laviolette. He is not. He, he is not that at all under John Hines. And I asked John Hines about it after the game last night. And he said, he's earned that ice time. He's earned that responsibility. I didn't give it to him. I mean, the guy works his butt off. You notice him on the ice. He's made a lot of, in the three games that he's played, you know he's out there, like you said. And that's more than I can say about other players. <laughs> 95. Um, for, the, for the right reasons, at least. I mean, you noticed Matthew Shane last night, but it was for the wrong reason. Yeah, that was a bad one. Um, so, look, I, I think that uh, Mikhail Grayland, um, for whatever reason, you know, seems to work better under John Hines, and that's good. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's been great. I mean, I'm I'm glad you know that that they were able to you know reunite later in the off season uh, because I, I you know I wonder where this team would. I mean, yeah, really, they already no played. They played games without him as he was getting ready to play. But now that he's back in the lineup, you yep. know, you wonder what they would have been like if he would have signed somewhere else. Another positive for you? Yes. Fourth line on Tuesday night was also very noticeable. Yakov Trenin with a power move down the, the left side to actually score the first goal. It's called going to the net and finishing for the rest of the team that would like to know what that looks like. Yakov Trenin did that. Matthew Olivier was on that line, right? And he was throwing bodies around. I love watching him play. He was trying to piss off Andrew Shaw. All <laughs> yes, night. he was. What he was doing. And I can't, who was on? Was it Richardson? That Brad was, Richardson. Richardson, of course, is the center. That line was fun to watch, man, on Tuesday they night. They have an identity. That's what John Hines said last night. Like, yeah. You know, they go on the ice with a sole purpose and they, and they do it. I love it, so man. That's, that, that, that's good. And, you know. Should they keep that group together the way it is? Because Olivier and Trenton have been sort of yo-yoed in and out. I, I like that. And also, I, uh, you know, I believe we should refer to Yakov Trenton as Yakov Trenino. Now that he's wearing oh number 13, all you have to do is add an extra O, you know, to the end of the last name. Now that he's wearing 13, Yakov When Trenino. he starts winning face-offs on the penalty kill in his own zone, then I'll start calling him Yakov Tornino. All right? Okay. Is that fair? 
that's it's not it's go. not as good as Rococo Grimaldo, but Jakob Fridino is pretty good. <laughs> Sounds like an Arcade Fire song. Um, all right, uh, so that's a positive. How about this? Pecorino looked pretty good. Yeah, that's a positive because he didn't look great in in uh, in his first start. I actually didn't think he was bad against Carolina. Okay, um, but so Pecorino's pretty good at playing goalie. He he continues to be good <laughs> enough at playing goalie. Made some big saves last night. He was clearly happy he won last night. Last night was his first win since last February. Oh, my God. Uh, his last two starts of the regular season last year were both. One was an overtime loss to Chicago. The other one was, of course, the debacle against Edmonton where Leon Dreisaitl scored four goals. He did not play again in the regular season. He did not play in the bubble. Uh, and then he lost his first start this season. So it was almost a calendar year since he last won a game. We can't imagine it's, you know he's ever experienced that before. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, he's not in the You decade. could tell he was clearly relieved last night. Um, so good for him. Yes. I think he's been solid. Any controversy? Zero. All right. That's what I thought. I, I we don't do hot takes on the show. Only so, on my Twitter. Only on your Twitter feed. Um, all right. A couple other pieces of news here before we wrap up. Um, and again, special thanks to Jaspers for being our title sponsor. So please go support them and drink our cocktail. Drink the gold standard cocktail at Jaspers while watching the Preds. Synergy folks. Uh, all right. Quickly around how about this? Before we get to the division and some news about um, whatever the hell Sinclair Broadcasting is doing, <laughs> let's quickly, the Tampa Bay series. How big of a series is it? What do you want to see out of this team in the two-game set with Tampa Bay before we come back and talk to you guys next week? Not to get their asses kicked. How about that? So a point is good. You're on the road. It's you know They play this team very well. but they, For some reason, they play Tampa very well during the regular season. They play Tampa very well during the regular season. Um, of course, they only play each other twice a year normally, um, but they, you know, at least in my five, six years here, they, they beat Tampa more often than not in the regular season. And they play well against Tampa, too. Um, so I, I think, um, you know, if they can get two out of four points, I think that would be fine. But, um, you know, Tampa's good. Uh, it's a good measuring stick opportunity for them. So around the division, the first place Blue Jackets, as of taping, the first place Blue Jackets. They have not uh, lost in regulation, I believe, since they lost those two games to the Predators to start the season. I don't know how sustainable that is, but they did make a big move. So as we look around the division, uh, we do have to mention this. And <laughs> you can you can you can take the Preds, you can take Winnipeg out of the Central, but you can't take Patrick Line out of the division. So Patrick Line has been traded, of course, to the Columbus Blue Jackets, and the Preds will have to deal with him. This year, Pierre Luc Dubois, of course, going back to Winnipeg, which is something they'll have to deal with next year. Next year, uh, when they come back, what what'd you think of the big trade? Does it change the dynamic? Do you view Columbus any differently? Winnipeg in the future? Thoughts, questions, comments, concerns? I mean, look, it's the closest thing to a, a blockbuster trade that we get in the NHL, the NBA. It's like friggin' James Harden and like eight other players going to four different teams and twelve draft picks being swapped. Yeah. You know, this is the closest thing to an NBA style trade. Um, it makes sense. All three actual, because there was a draft pick involved too. All three players in the deal, Line A, Dubois, and Jack Roslevic were disgruntled. Dubois didn't want to be in Columbus anymore. Line A, you know, there were plenty of concerns about whether or not he wanted to be in Winnipeg anymore. Roslevic definitely didn't want to be in Winnipeg anymore. He's actually from Columbus. So kid goes home. A hometown kid comes to Columbus. Um, I feel like this is a pretty nice move for Columbus. It's For I, this year, for against I think, Nashville. I look at, I think... It will, it, who, whoever wins the trade will come down to, you know, which of those players gets re-signed long-term because they're both uh, – Dubois signed a contract before the start of the season that's two years long. Line A is a restricted free agent. Um, Roslovic signed a two-year contract after being traded. Um, you know, if, if 
you know, the Blue Jackets, for whatever reason, have had a hard time keeping star players, you know, on the team long term. Artemi Panarin, uh, Sergei Bobrovsky, you could throw in Matt Duchesne, Ryan Johansson, um, Ryan Johansson uh, Josh Anderson. Um, so you, you hope that, that for the Blue Jackets, for their sake, that line A agrees to stay. Um, we, I think we've talked about this. I don't understand the hate for Columbus. It's a solid town. The fans base is awesome. The, the atmosphere at games is great. Um, you know, I like my trips to Columbus annually, except for this year, of course. Um, so I don't know why fans don't like playing in Columbus. Um, Dubois makes the Winnipeg Jets scary as hell down the middle. Uh, you know, now that you have a one-two punch of yeah. Mark Shifley and Pierre-Luc yeah. Dubois at one and two. That's pretty uh, nasty. What the Predators wouldn't kill to have Ryan Johansson and Matt Duchesne play like that. Um, so, I mean, I like the move for both teams. Um, it is of note. It is of note, yes. <laughs> That's about it. Uh, quickly, do you want to wrap up here on some uh, broadcast drama? I, I, sure. I, I saw a tweet last week from, I think, Fox Sports Tennessee. Essentially... Like they've created this like hub landing page or whatever to to blame essentially what YouTube Live and Hulu Live, yes. Essentially, is the debate here, and and I just can't stand this crap. This is rich people on one side arguing with other rich people on the other side. It is not, and the consumer is the person who gets hurt in this. But there is some news with Fox Sports Tennessee, Sinclair Broadcasting, of course, is is you know this massive media conglomerate that is. Um, uh, I would. I don't want to get into what they do outside of sports, but but watch uh, the John Oliver segment. Yeah, did not, a couple years ago. It's not pretty. Um, but th- what I do not like is is Fox Sports Tennessee, which is Sinclair, blaming the other companies for this when they are equally to be blamed. I am not suggesting that one rich person is more selfish than the other rich person. And when I say rich people, I'm talking about the owners and operators of all these companies. They are just fighting amongst themselves as to who's going to make the most money from each other. And the person who gets hurt by this, the reason you can't watch it on YouTube Live or on Hulu, is you are the person who gets hurt by this. So don't don't take the bait. Don't think that it's one side or the other. It is all sides arguing. And now they're going to try to trick you by rebranding everything, right? Yeah, so Sports Business Daily this morning reported, and I'll read... Uh, directly quote Sinclair and Bally's today will unveil new names and logos for their 19 RSNs regional sports networks the Bally sports logos will replace the current Fox sports logos at some point before the major league baseball season the new logo incorporates the Bally name in red script and now here's the kicker for Predators fans as part of the rebrand Sinclair will shut down two part-time RSNs FS Tennessee and FS Carolinas Predators games will move to Bally sports south Hurricanes, Carolina Hurricanes, and Charlotte Hornets games will move to Bally Sports Southeast. There is no other information as to how that affects whether if you have a subscription to Fox Sports Tennessee. I'm sure, as we talked about before we aired, basically the channel will stay the you know the channel will stay the same. It'll just be rebranded, like Spike TV going to like Paramount Network or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's just I, I don't care what it's called. Like, is it being distributed differently? Do I still get it on the exact same? Channel. I thought Bally's, by the way, was like an exercise. I like, thought so it was too. like a gym. <laughs> That's I've been literally looking, trying to look that up this morning. Like I don't, it, isn't Bally Fitness? Isn't that the thing? Yeah. I I don't know what they're doing. It's all like red script again. The, who cares what the name is? The name doesn't matter here. What matters is is it still the same number on my TV dial? Whether it's Xfinity, AT and T, Directv, or streaming services, don't do not take the bait on this. Do not let Sinclair Broadcasting convince you that this is somebody else's fault. They are to be blamed for this. Okay? And, yes. and full stop. End of rant. 
<laughs> I think that's the end of our show as well. Anything else you'd like to add? Just get some W's over Tampa Bay. How about that? Yeah, and go try our beverage and tell us what you think. Special thanks to Jaspers for being our title sponsor here on the Gold Standard. Tremendous parking, tons of open space to be safe and to go in and eat. So if you're worried about parking downtown or if you're worried about it being a safe place during this crazy time that we're living in, don't worry about either of those things. Go to Jaspers. Tremendous menu. Chef Deb Paquette from all these great restaurants in Nashville, a trusted name in this city, has created a brilliant menu with awesome food. Uh, I eat there basically once a week at this point. So please go check it out. Special thanks to Jaspers. And try our cocktail, the gold standard cocktail uh, with some green bar, Nelson's Green Bar Whiskey, of course, some limoncello, some lemon, some orange, and I believe some unsweet tea because Adam Bingen said so. They consulted me and I said, sweet tea is gross. I need unsweet <laughs> tea. They didn't actually do that. But if they would have, that's what I would have said. I, I told them that. You told them. Yeah, when we tea. talked about the cocktail, I said, Adam does not like sweet tea. Yeah, sweet tea, sweet tea is gross. Don't at me. It's gross. Adam's, fr- Adam's not a southerner. He doesn't like sweet tea. Technically, I am. (laughs) You're from the triangle, I know. But, like, I don't know. It's just gross. (laughs) Sorry, guys. Hot take at the the end of the show. Uh, Pay for good journalism. Go to The Athletic. Subscribe. All that great stuff, of course, there. Where can people follow you, Adam? On Twitter at Adam Vingan. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. Thank you for listening to The Gold Standard, brought to you by Jaspers on West End, right here on the 440 Sports Network.